morning, church. Um, this morning's Bible reading comes from uh, well, two parts, John chapter 7, um, verses 45 to 52, and then John chapter 8, 12 to 20. So you've got these in your pamphlets this morning, so you can read them, or if you've got your Bible, it'll be put up on the screen. Okay, we'll start with John chapter 7, 45 to 52. Finally, the temple guards went back to the chief priests and the Pharisees, who asked them, why didn't you bring him in? No one ever spoke the way this man does, the guards replied. You mean he has deceived you also, the Pharisees retorted. Have any of the rulers or the, of the Pharisees believed in him? No, but this mob that knows nothing of the law, there is a curse on them. Nicodemus, who had gone to Jesus earlier and who was one of their own number, asked, Does our law condemn a man without first hearing him to find out what he has been doing? They replied, Are you from Galilee too? Look into it, and you will find that a prophet does not come out of Galilee. Okay, second reading, John chapter 8, 12 to 20. When Jesus spoke again to the people, he said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. The Pharisees challenged him. Here you are, appearing as your own witness. Your testimony is not valid. Jesus answered, even if I testify on my own behalf, my testimony is valid, for I know where I have come from and where I am going. But you have no idea where I have come from or where I am going. You judge by human standards. I pass judgment on no one. But if I do judge, my decisions are true, because I am not alone. I stand with the Father who sent me. In your own law it is written that the testimony of two witnesses is true. I am one who testifies for myself. My other witness is the Father who sent me. Then they asked him, Where is your Father? You do not know me or my Father, Jesus replied. If you knew me, you would know my Father also. He spoke these words while teaching in the temple courts near the place where the offerings were put. Yet no one seized him because his hour had not yet come. Good morning, everybody. It's good to see you. Am I, do I, am I in the way of the screen up there? No? All good? If, do we have the clicker here today? We're organised. Isn't that good? Uh, let me pray for us as we come to look at this part of God's Word this morning. Father, thank you that we can gather. Thank you for all the things that we've um, shared in prayer time, the truths that we've sung, the songs and father we just um pray that as we come to this part of our morning together of looking at your word considering jesus digging deep into him lord we pray that your spirit might um, work in our hearts lord that he might minister to us lord wherever that need is wherever we need to mature or grow or be convicted or be changed rebuked transformed. Lord, we ask that graciously you would do that by your word this morning. Lord, I pray that I might speak clearly and you know, in a way that um, encourages us here this morning. I pray it for Jesus' sake. Amen. I remember when I was little and we used to stay at my nan and pop's house. They had this um, kind of old country house up in this tiny village of Urbanville, if you go to Kyogle and then keep getting to the smaller town and then the smaller town than that, this tiny little place called Urbanville, 
this tiny little house that probably in its uh, original build was just two or three rooms and then eventually another room tacked on here and another one tacked on there and another one tacked on down here and you can kind of picture those kind of houses. And the thing about this house was that to get from the main part of the house to the toilet because of all these little extensions that happened, there was about four different steps that you needed to go to get to the toilet, which was fine except in the middle of the night when you was like eight years old. It was, it was a bit of a death trap. And so uh, amongst all the things that were around and the doors that you had to open to keep the heat in of this part of the house and all that kind of stuff, to get to the toilet w- was dangerous. So what my pop would always do was he had one of those old dolphin torches. Have you still got it, Mum? The orange one. And he used to sit it on their lime green kitchen um, bench for us. And you'd only have to fumble a little bit of the way out and you could grab the torch and get yourself to the toilet. It's that amazing thing that light does in the darkness, that it shows us the way to where we need to go. It's the thing that saves bumped toes, saves us from treading on Lego, saves us from walking into doors. It's the thing that allows us to travel at night. It's that thing of beauty when... When the morning sun hits the dark sky and fills it up, or one of those full moons that just kind of like spreads light everywhere. This morning we're considering this thing that Jesus said, where he says, I am the light of the world. Where he says, follow me and I'll keep you from ever walking in the dark. John's gospel is is like layer upon layer revealing to us who Jesus is. And this term we've said we're digging into it, but we're not blasting our way into it. We're not doing like one of these TNT explosions in the middle of an open cut mine. We're troweling our way through each little part of it. And with each layer, we uncover who Jesus is. That's basically the design of John's gospel, the way that he has written about Jesus to us, is to just take us layer by layer and reveal to us who this Jesus is. But it's not just aimless digging, okay? People don't go and start excavations or mines where they hope something might happen. The first chapter of John's gospel that we looked at two weeks ago, it's like the map. It's the thing that points us where we're going to go. It it tells us what we're going to find before we get there. John begins by saying, No one has ever seen God, but the one and only Son, who is himself God and is in the closest relationship with the Father, he has made him known. So each layer that we'll dig down today and in the coming weeks will reveal that meaning. Ultimately, each layer actually shows us who God is. In verse 19 of today's passage, we read Jesus say, If you knew me, you would know my Father also. See, understanding who Jesus is is how we get to understand who God is. And it's more than just mere understanding. See, Jesus invites us to walk in the light actually know God. How well do you know God? How well personally 
Do you know God? Is your relationship with him actually developing? One thing that's going to be common to all these talks is that punchline. It's the same thing over and over, that Jesus is God. The mere fact that he says, I am this, I am that, I am whatever, he's doing that. He's echoing the way that God revealed himself to Moses back at the Exodus, back in the, um, in the desert where he, in the burning bush, says, I am. I will be who I will be. So we want to dig in and actually consider, is God someone that we're growing in our relationship with? So park that question there. And consider it as we look more deeply at this. Because we actually start with a bunch of guys who seem to know a lot about God but have no relationship with Him. That's why we read that little bit um, starting in chapter 7. If you've actually got a Bible in front of you, you'll, you'll see that they're pretty much just flowing on from the one story. There's one little other story that's kind of slotted in there. Probably doesn't belong there. So we just really read one story. We didn't have two readings. Now the thing about light is that it's, it is only really noticeable when it's contrasted with darkness. I remember going on a school camp to the Natural Bridges up out the back of Mwoolumba. Has anybody been there? And one of the great features of, of that national park is that there's a cave, and in the cave there's these glowworms. And you kind of like go there at night, which seems a bit sketchy, but there's loads of, well, when I went 15 years ago, there was loads of Asian tourists, so it wasn't totally devoid of people. But you go there at night and you wind your way through a national park at night on a track at night and you kind of like don't know where you are and then you go down into this little cave, down the steps and look up and the whole top of the cave is illuminated with these grubby little worms that are glowing. It's totally bizarre. But of course, in the daytime, you can't see any of that. And that's kind of how John tells us about Jesus' claim. He paints this picture of darkened hearts, of darkness, of people that are walking in the darkness. Beginning right back at the start of chapter 7, part that we didn't read, we read about the Jewish leaders who just won't have anything to do with Jesus. And that's kind of come to a climax at the end of chapter 7 that Dean read for us. See, as people have been hearing Jesus teach and discussing if he's the Messiah, the Pharisees are just about at their wits' ends with this kind of talk. Let's go back to our treasure map, our road map, John chapter 1. John tells us this. He came to that which was his own, to the Jewish nation, to the Israelites, but his own did not receive him. But what is it about these guys that makes them so in the dark? They had turned faith in God to a completely impersonal and mechanical thing. There was no relationship with God. All this is taking place during one of the big Jewish feasts. And if you think about it, like going off to a convention or something like that, this was a time where the nation actually downs tools, stops work for a few days, and goes and remembers one of the great things that God has done in their past. This particular festival was called the Feast of Tabernacles. I don't know much about it. I had to read up for it for this. But the Feast of Tabernacles was a major Jewish festival 
that went back to the days of Israel's history where the people of God had now been rescued out of Egypt and were being led around the desert. And if you remember that part, the thing that led them day by day was God in a, in manifest in either a cloud in the day or a pillar of fire in the night. And that's what the Feast of Tabernacles was remembering. So if you remember that story in Exodus, this happened after God had shown his power, shown his power in the plagues and the Passover, shown his power in the crossing of the Red Sea. God continued to guide his people with a pillar of cloud and a pillar of fire. Exodus 13, 21 says, And the Lord went before them by day in a pillar of cloud to lead them along the way, and by night in a pillar of fire to give them light, that they might travel by day and by night. And so here are God's people thousands of years later, remembering what God had done for them in the past. But the problem was, and this is why Jesus gets up and says what he does, was that there was no awe of God. They, they were remembering this festival, but they weren't really remembering the God who had done these great things. And you know what? It wasn't a new problem. Even the people back in the days of the Exodus who were traveling around in the desert, they grumbled. They grumbled about the conditions. They grumbled that the conditions were better as slaves and better than a life of freedom outside of the promised land. It's the ongoing problem, isn't it, of not really having a relationship with God. This is the nature of life in the darkness. And it can even happen for people who have the Word of God right under their noses but can't recognize the Son of God standing right there in front of them. The Israelites were rescued from slavery, but they were unable to remain faithful to God. Our whole world is in the dark. Our whole world has traded in the truth of God for a myriad of lies. We're broken off from our Creator. Darkness expresses itself in all kinds of sin and evil. And like I've already alluded to, if you think about it, darkness is the absence of light. And so to extend the metaphor here, darkness in this sense is the absence of truth. It's the absence of the knowledge of God. It's the absence of God himself. See, anywhere God is not followed, anywhere he is not obeyed, that's where darkness exists. What else could result from darkness but sin and evil? When the Pharisees finally come face to face with Jesus in chapter 8, in verse 13, they want to challenge Jesus. He says, I'm the light of the world. Come and follow me. You'll never walk in darkness. They don't want to, they don't want to follow him. They want to challenge him. They question who Jesus is. And why he should be believed. Verses 14 to 18 records Jesus' answer for us. Where he essentially in that answer says, No, I am on the same level as God. I am the Son of God. They scoff at Jesus at the end of this. And say, Where is your Father? 
To which Jesus says in the second part of verse 19, You don't know me or my Father. Jesus replied, If you knew me, you would know my Father also. They don't know God at all. They have no relationship with God. And yet, just like the glowworms can only be seen at night, we can only recognize Jesus as the light of the world because we know this darkness. Because we live in this world. Because we experience this personally. Because we know it in here. We see it in these guys, but we see it in our own life. We know it in what we've done, where we've failed. We know it in what's been done to us. We know it in what we're ashamed of. And we've got to remember that we are Christians, we are following Christ, not because our life is already intrinsically full of light, but because we've heard Jesus' call to follow him and be drawn ourselves out of that darkness. It's that humility drives us to the cross, that we need to ever accept Jesus into our life in the first place. We need to always have this in mind. Just as each day we need to remember the grace that Jesus has shown us, we too need to remember to humble ourselves, that we would keep coming back to the cross. And so I want us to go back now and look at that big I am statement. Remember that there's seven of these in John's gospel. And every time he says this, he's echoing what God calls himself. It's a claim again to be God. Verse 12, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Now remember again, I said this is happening during the Feast of Tabernacles. It's the setting for this statement. And part of the festival, what would happen was they would light these massive cauldrons of oils. Who remembers Kathy Freeman at the Sydney 2000 Olympics? Gets up there in that funky white suit and lights that big Olympic flame thingy up. It was like a big climax of the whole opening ceremony. Well, every night during this festival, they would light up four massive cauldrons of oil every night. I think it took 63 liter, 65 litres of oil and it would burst into light and it would fill the area up with light and it would, it would be this visual reminder to the people of what God had done in the days of the desert. That light in the desert was literally God's presence with his people. I am the light of the world, Jesus says. He's literally saying, I am that light. I am God with you. I am God's presence here right now. I am God come down to you. I am God here to be light for you so that you might no longer stumble in the dark. That pillar of fire was the grace of God, that these people would be guided in their wandering. 
If we go back to chapter 1 again, to our, our treasure map, it tells us this is exactly what we'll find. In Him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Jesus reminds us that the faithful, all-powerful God who created the entire universe shines his light into this world. It's Jesus. Jesus is the one who shows us who God is. You're not going to find it anywhere else. Jesus is the one who will rescue us from darkness. Jesus, he's the one who gives us the right to become God's very own children. Jesus is the reason that we have hope in this darkened mess of a world. He's the reason we have hope that this world will not prevail. You can't overcome light with darkness. Light wins. Light prevails. Jesus literally is the light that the world needs. And any attempt at anything that will acknowledge Jesus... He's fumbling around in the dark. Jesus says, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Anyone who follows. John actually has made a heap, has recorded Jesus making a heap of these kind of statements so far. Just summarize them for the screen. John 3.16, whoever believes in me will not perish. John 1.12, to all who believe, he gives the right. John 5.24, whoever hears my word and believes. John 6.35, that we looked at last week, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go thirsty. Jesus says, follow me. Jesus is imploring everyone that he speaks to, to leave that life of darkness and come and follow me. Whoever you are. I don't know, everybody here, maybe you need to take that first step this morning to actually put things aside and follow Jesus, to humble yourself and come to Jesus. Maybe you haven't been here or in a church for a long time. Listen to what Jesus says, because it's damn good news. Whoever follows me, whoever believes in me, will find life. Cockroaches are an inevitable problem, I think. I've noticed whenever I've gone into the church building, that's a pretty dank old building at times, isn't it? That's why we're going to renovate it. But you go in there, especially at night time setting up for youth group, you flick the light on and what do you do? You see the scurry of cockroaches disappear. As soon as the light hits them, they can't stand to be near them. It's the reaction that can happen to light. That reaction to just scatter. I actually lived through a very similar situation to this. Um, there's nothing, nothing deeper to this story. If I was something I was ashamed of, I wouldn't be sharing it in front of church probably. But before Tara and I were married, um, we'd often spend time together on a Thursday night. That was the last day of the week when you uh, were at university. They seem to have never-ending three-day weekends at university. Um, it's probably got better than that 
these days. I think it's like Tuesday to Thursday are university days, but whatever. Thursday night, we'd often spend uh, time together. We'd go out and do something. And one particular Thursday night, we'd pulled up at the, um, the college, residential college where Tara lived. And we were chatting in the car for a while. And we, we started to um, have a little kiss with each other. Now... There was nothing, nothing more, nothing more to see than what what happened on our on uh, in our wedding ceremony. It was that, that's where we were at. But what actually happened was a police car could see that something was going on inside this car. It was late on a Thursday night outside of the university college. They pulled up alongside us, whipped out their spotlight, or they kind of had one of those ones, and. Oh, straight through the window. Mate, we were out of that car quick smart. <laughs> See, sometimes like a cockroach or like a, um, like a, uh, um, a university student who's just found uh, an important person in their life, when this light hits us, sometimes our reaction can be just that, to kind of like, be shocked or stunned by it, or to just want to scatter. And we've really got to think about, think more deeply about what Jesus means when he says the light of the world and how, how we actually go into following that. It's actually sometimes, and I, I want you to prepare for this, that it's actually quite difficult sometimes to have that light, the light of Jesus, shone on you. Shone into your life. We had these same series of talks at our youth convention last year. And I'm just going to quote what the speaker said when he was speaking on this same passage. He asked the, he asked the question, why is it so uncomfortable to have the light shone on you? He said this, light exposes the darkness. Just as police use black light to find blood, Jesus shines his light into our lives, but he shines it on our evil thoughts. And that hurts. He shines it on our greed, on our lust, on our selfishness. And it hurts. He shines it on our lack of faith. When we get close to Jesus, he shows us who we really are. This is why lots of people in Australia don't want to get near to Jesus. And I think he's dead right. To follow Jesus, I've actually got to come humble enough to confess my need. Confess that I don't know how to live well. I don't know why I'm here and I don't know why I mess up. And I can come to Jesus and let him do that for me because he doesn't just command me to produce light in my life. He is the light for me. And he invites me into that light with the promise that by being in that light, letting that light shine into my life, he will keep me from walking in the darkness. Follow me. And you will never walk in darkness. We've got to remember that at the cross of Jesus, Jesus deals with the darkness. 
It's even a played out metaphor at the crucifixion, isn't it? What happens? For three hours, the whole place goes dark in the middle of the day. Those things that are in my heart that are shown up in Jesus' light have been nailed to the cross. And I can let that light bathe all over me. Confident that there's nothing to hide. And this leaves us with two major points that we've got to remember. We can't live carrying the guilt and shame of our sin. And we can't meddle in the darkness. That first point, that first point was a big feature of what we preached on all the way through term two, wasn't it? The idea of shame being dealt with. Following Jesus, having my darkness dealt with means letting go of the guilt and shame of my sin. And knowing that I've got freedom to live as a child of God. Are you there? Have you worked through that? Or are you somehow still living as an orphan? Is that how you experience your relationship with God? What do you need to let go of? What do you need to bring into Jesus' light? Look back at the cross. Look back at the darkness that Jesus has already endured for you. Seriously, don't go home today without talking to me or someone else or someone who you trust who's going to point you to the assurance that the Bible will give you. It's there to be found. There's freedom to live. And that second point we've got to remember, don't fool around in the dark. Don't lead that double life where on one hand you look like you've got your faith in Jesus and on the other hand you're trusting in something else to satisfy you. You're trusting the wealth that you're accumulating. You're looking for it in the bottles of wine you smash through or you're trusting the approval of people or you're looking for it in pornography or some other sexual sin. Whatever it is, Jesus has given Bring it into the light. As painful as it might be to come into the light, the light is provided by a gracious God who loves us. Follow Jesus. Whoever follows me, Jesus says. The invitation is constantly there to live in the light. And while the pool is constantly there to hide in the darkness, We've got to push through. We've got to live in that light. I feel it. I struggle through it. I think about, you know, how much money's in the bank. Worry about whether we're ever going to be able to buy a house or something like that. Thinking about getting ahead or fitting in. Fitting in with the guys that I play rugby with or the other teachers in the school. There's that struggle all around us all the time. Paul's constantly there to come back into the darkness. But Jesus, the light of the world, reminds me to come into the light, to constantly receive his grace and live my life as the child of God that he has made me. I don't want Jesus to be able to say of me like he does of the Pharisees, you do not know me or my father. He is your father. He's he's your perfect loving 
caring, tender dad who has loved you more than you are even capable of realising. That's who sent Jesus to light up this world. So don't hide. John wrote the gospel. He wrote Jesus' life, but he also wrote three letters. And in his first letter, he applies this same idea so well that I'm going to read it to you and stop there because I can't say it any more clearly than he does. 1 John 1, 5-7. This is the message we have heard from him and declare to you. God is light. In him there is no darkness at all. If we claim to have fellowship with him and yet walk in the darkness, we lie and do not live out the truth. But if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. Let's pray. So as you've shut your eyes, I'm not going to say anything for a couple of minutes. You just take some time to reflect over that passage. I'll leave it up on the screen. Take a moment to reflect on these words from Jesus. Lord Jesus, we thank you that you've shone into this world, that you have brought grace and truth where there was lies and darkness and no knowledge of you at all. Lord, for those who have been walking with you for five years, for 10 years, for 20 years, for the majority of our life, Lord, please keep us growing. Lord, please continue to shine into the areas of our life that haven't been submitted to you yet, that haven't been dealt with. Lord Jesus, we ask and pray that your light would would change us, that the grace that you've shown to us would bring us toward the freedom that you have on offer for us to live as children of God, to be cared for, to trust that we're not left to care for ourselves. And Lord Jesus, we pray that this light might continue to shine out into our community, Lord, that it might shine through us, Lord, through our honest and humble acceptance of you, Lord, through our lives transformed by you. And Lord, as we too hold out that word of truth, Lord, we pray that that, that day where, when it's proved that light will overcome 
all darkness. Lord, we long for that day. So, Lord, keep us walking in that light. Lord, keep us from lying to ourselves. Keep us trusting that Jesus has indeed purified us from all our sin. In Jesus' name, amen.